football back, walk for the back, and from the rookie ends back. Welcome to the 10th season of From the Rooker End, and it's going to be a blast. Come on, you all! Yes, welcome back to From the Rookery in our 10th season. We've got a special year coming up with some special events, but we are here for the first home game of the season against Brighton. And as every podcast has been over the last nine seasons, uh, this is our take on life as a Watford fan. Let, let's start the podcast talking about the last week as Watford fans, which led to the unveiling of these two men at the ground before the game. Vicarage Road has been a great week for Watford Football Club with some fantastic additions to the squad. So please give a big warm Watford welcome to England international Danny Welbeck and club record signing My name is John. Uh, with me is Jason. Hello there. And Colin. Uh, good afternoon. And uh, we are at half time of this game, but we're going to talk about the transfer window as it's been. We've talked on the on the previous podcast, which which we recorded at the beginning of July, uh, about the signing of Craig Dawson and the fact that you know he's one of those classic Pozzo signings of a, uh, a no nonsense player with no frills, but does the job. Uh, and and you need those players well, in your squad. <laughs> well. Well, <laughs> so far, 45 minutes hasn't exactly uh, covered himself in glory, but yeah, basically you're right. Yeah. Uh, but there, there are two big signings this week, or two significant signings this week. First one was Danny Welbeck. We sort of start hearing stuff about that about you know, a day or so before, but it still felt like it came out of the blue, Colin. Danny Welbeck, he played for England. He was at the last World Cup. He was, and it's a bit, it's, um, it's a bit of a money ball signing, uh, a classic Pozzo signing, because... Here's a player that's just uh, waiting to be rediscovered. He broke his ankle very badly in the uh, middle of last season, but, um, and so he's had to recover from that. But they would have turned him inside out at Colney. They would have put him through the MRI scans, the uh, ultrasound, X-rays. They would have made sure that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with him before they decided to give him a 100 grand signing on fee. But also, cleverly, of course, what you can do with a player like him, because he's out of contract, you say, look, we'll give you 20 grand a week, and every week you actually play, we give you another 80 grand. And, and he'll sign up to that, because it, it, it saves us money if, he's, if he doesn't play, and he gets well rewarded if he does. And, the, the, you know, the, on form, he's probably the best striker at the club. Yeah. He scored 14 times for England in 42 appearances. He scored 46 goals for United, playing on the left wing in 146 appearances. He's a, he's a one in three man. And he's strong, he's powerful, he's a good finisher. I think, I think it's, it's worth a punt. People are a bit like, oh, well, he'll never be fit, he'll never play. But he, he probably will. They'll just have to take their time with him. He'll be, he'll be desperate to get back as well. As he's, he's probably where, where he is now, his age, he should be at the peak of his game. And he'll be desperate to get and back. And that's why he's at Watford, Jason. And that's why he's at Watford. And he will be desperate to, to not only make his mark on the Premier League, to, to get back into that England squad as well. 
Well, we'll see how he can do, where he sits in this in this squad, I suppose, Jason. Where where do you sort of see him, his role in, in you know on the pitch? No, he's going to be there with the choices for up front, for strikers, let's say, with Troy, with Gray, him, Delefeu, um, that are going to be in, he's going to be in that mix. How would you see him playing, though? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 again, I don't think I don't think we will play a lone striker, so he won't play as a lone striker. He'll be there as a two, and he could probably play with Troy or with Jerry if you're taking those two as, as the main two and with Andre as well he's, he's, he's good enough he's that good a, a player I, um, I don't see him fulfilling a particular role what he will do at the start of his Watford career when he's managed back into into uh, match fitness he will be challenging the front two whoever they are and the front two will need to be performing week in week out otherwise they're going to lose their place straight away to Danny Welbeck to Danny Welbeck um, but there must be a lot actually that he's going to add off the pitch um, in terms of his you know he's not uh, he's, <laughs> I always think them young because they're younger than me but he's not he's in his late 20s now he's an experienced footballer um, that's going to add a lot to, the, to the, the thoughts of a lot of the young players that we've signed uh, in this transfer window yeah, I hope so I mean I think that um, he's a bit like Holobas isn't he he's, he's a player that's played in Champions, played Champions League football played international football played at international tournaments so when he walks into the dressing room and if he says something or he thinks something isn't quite right people will they'll listen to him because he'll, he'll have that quality I don't think he's a particularly uh, loud sort of leader in the, in the Dini mould but he's, he's done everything uh, he's, he he's came up through the ranks at United and got into the team uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, played for Arsenal, which, you know, despite the fact we laugh at Arsenal quite a lot, I mean, they, they have played 17 seasons of Champions League football or something, so <laughs> and they've done quite well, and he's been part of that. So he'll bring a bit of that culture into our club in the way that Holobas did. And I, and I know that people are a bit grumpy about Holobas, but he played for, you know, he played for Roma Olympiacos. They played Champions League football when he came here. It was like, why don't the other players have the same attitude about winning as I do? Because that is how those big clubs operate. It's all about winning, and Welbeck will bring that. The other signing uh, that came not quite the last minute, but very, very late on, was... <laughs> What's that? It was a little dance. <laughs> <laughs> a little dance there from, from Colin. Yeah, I think that's, that was, actually, that's, that's, what, that's what surprised me about this signing, more than anything, is that there's a lot of, well, let's just say excitement, and maybe a bit too much excitement, for someone I'd never heard of until late June. Classic Pozzo signing, like someone I've never heard of. I'm not an aficionado over European football. But Jason, he he wasn't a place that we were desperate for. We didn't really. He wasn't part of our top of mind thinking in terms of we need another centre back, we need another striker. This is what we've been saying for 18 months on this podcast. But he give he's going to give us width, and that's it. And I think where we've been talking about where we need to make signings, we've been looking at where we think we might be weak and where we need to replace players. This guy is going to give us something different that we currently don't have, and that is proper width. Um, you don't want to talk about the game too much at this stage but at the moment I think we're crying out for a player like him so far in the first 45 minutes because teams at the moment they know how we're going to play we set up quite narrow our wide players tend to cut in so the likes of Hughes is more naturally central Pereira starts wide and cuts in you've got Delafeo playing wide today when he's been playing central all last season we don't have that that natural width and that's what Saar's going to bring us but he's one of those players, Pozzo signings, a young player who wants to step up, show off and move on. 
and hopefully moving for a lot yeah, of money. Absolutely. It cost us a lot of money though. It did. A uh, heck of a lot of money. 37 million pounds. Somewhere near 40 million. Somebody that um, for most of the history of this club, the whole club has been not worth 37 million <laughs> quid. So it's quite an amazing signing. But, and uh, if you don't mind, John, no. um, I want to talk about how that signing happened, really, how we managed to spend that amount of money. And the person that we have to look to is, uh, is the man with 15 minutes of fame, Dodie Luke Bacchio, who we saw for 15 minutes. And the bloke standing next to me said, oh, he's like a young foal, he can't work his legs out. <laughs> so, so he didn't impress. And then this time last season uh, in Austria, he played in a friendly against Fortuna Dusseldorf and they went, oh, we quite like the look of him. Do you mind if we have him on loan for a year? And Gino said, you can have him on loan for as long as you want. <laughs> but, um, and we paid 4.5 million quid for him, let us not forget. And then a miracle happened. He played against Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga and he scored a hat-trick in a three-all draw against Bayern Munich. And as far as I know, that is the, he is the only man on the planet who has scored a hat-trick against Manuel Neuer while playing for Bayern Munich. And, what, and he only scored six goals in the rest of the season, but it didn't matter. And so there was a feeding frenzy around him. Arsenal were in for him at 18 million quid. And in the end, Hertha Berlin said, right, we'll pay you 20 million euros. Now that 20 million euros paid for over half of Ishmaela, is it Ishmaela? Ishmaela Saar. So that is where Gino is so clever because this is a player who was never really going to play for us. And yet we've turned four and a half million quid into 20 million euros, which has allowed us to fund the purchase of Saar. And I think Saar, although you didn't know anything about him, but actually if you look back and you start, you read the journalism that surrounded him, Oh, no, loads about it now. There, there, there were people were talking about him a, a year ago, and there have been articles uh, about when the, you know that whole sort of breakthrough moment on the training when you see this young lad come out and they go, bloody hell, he's good. And um, so we've we've got exactly what you described. He's come to us as a stepping stone. The bigger clubs have thought we're not. He's not quite ready for us. His agent, family don't want him sitting on the bench for two years at a big club like a Man City or uh, Barcelona. So we're the perfect place for him. Richarlison has done us a massive favour because he's shown that we can deliver that. He can come here for a season, two seasons, move on somewhere bigger, and I'm sure that's what he'll do, but we'll get the benefit in the meantime. I'll just say some context on the money as well, I think, because we, when, when we signed Andre Gray for 18 million, and, and uh, we were saying, well, that seems like a lot of money for him, and we talked about the context of that, saying, well, he's a, a homegrown player, counts as one of those. Uh, he was signed from a rival in Burnley. He already had Premier League experience and scored goals in the Premier League, and that all bumped up the price. And there's none of that with uh, with Saar. He's, he's a young lad, so what we're paying for is a lot of potential. But even so, that then sort of almost almost double, so it is double, isn't it, what we paid for Andre. That, that's a massive, massive amount of money. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the pressure of that money might come into play, but the fact that they're the expectations on this man, from our point of view, because we've seen some young players come through Watford for many, many years, and some of them have gone on and done good things. Some of them have just faltered and withered away. You know, Peñaranda, who we haven't really seen break into this side. We saw Richarlison have a great start to the season, earned his 50 million pay on, but didn't actually have a great second half of the season uh, from our, our point of view. Do you think, Jason, that we're going to get him and blood him quickly or as quickly as his fitness would allow? Uh, I, I think it will depend on game situations. As we said, he, he brings us something we haven't got at the moment and that's width. So I think it will depend on how heavy he wants to, to set, up the, set up the game. So if we've got a game, so let's say we started with Pereira, but a team's combating that and they're congesting the middle and we're finding, trying, getting, finding it hard to find space in a game. Then you can bring Saar on, stretch the game, make the game go out wide. You've then sort of got a 
you sort, you sort of always twist the game around a bit then. So you, perhaps you have your our right back, whether that be Kiko bombing on down the right side with Hughes tucking in. And on the other side, Holobas maybe cutting inside a bit, maybe sort of putting an extra man sort of back there with Saar playing out on the touchline. Just sort of twist the players around. It just gives the, 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 the opposite the opposition something else to think about also, he's, he's super fast I mean it's his electric pace and that will scare that will scare defences and that, they will have to prepare for that and that will uh, allow other players to get more space we're seeing that our players can't find any space on the pitch at the moment Brighton are playing pretty well they look like a totally different outfit from when they played here last season on the first day under under Hooten but the other thing we haven't talked about is, is that we bought we haven't bought squad players we bought first team players and that's a different thing. No Goody Aura, no Amrabat, no sort of, oh, we'll get Carrillo on loan, let's see if we can... We've actually bought players to come into the first team. And, and at the same time, we've tried to beef up the, the academy, the under-23 team, if you like, by buying in good players like Tom Deli Bashiru from Man City, who want an outlet, they want to start playing, and they see that there's possibly a pathway here. So we got to the semi-final of the Youth Cup last season, so hopefully with the new additions, I think we brought in five or six players from all over into that academy so hopefully that, that so that seems to be the plan the Pozzo plan was to buy first team players and beef up the the academy because there's money to be made if you can get a Tom Daly Bashiru for whatever they paid for him, peanuts get him into the team get him out of the out of the club in three or four years time that that's part of how because we don't have an owner like uh, Everton who just says well you want 38 million quid for a yeah hold on I'll write a check with that, we have to make our money in order to spend our money, and that's the difference because the Pozzos are not wealthy. They're not, I mean, they're wealthy, but they're not hugely Negative. wealthy. They're not just deep pockets. They have to earn the money. It's, it's a proper business, and they run it in a, very, in, a, in a very good way. Overall, though, give it a score out of 10, this Pots, this uh, transfer window for, for Gino, Scott, and, uh, and the team. Eight. Eight. Jason? Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's always difficult to judge until you've seen the players yeah. play, but yeah, I think uh, the Welbeck one is a. He's a no-risk, like we said. We're not having to spend a massive transfer fee on him. So, yeah, I, I agree with Colin and eight. So, there's a Euros coming up. And he was, as you, as you quite rightly pointed out, only a year ago in the squad at the 2018 uh, World Cup, year, year and a bit yeah. ago. Uh, so, it's, you know, he's got a season and Southgate likes him and there is a, not a lot of, of uh, obvious candidates to play up from after Kane. So there's a spot there, and he'll, he, that will motivate him. He'll really want to get back in that England squad, and wouldn't it be great to have a Watford player at the Euros? Well, the second half now. Uh, we're back after the game is finished uh, to see how the rest of this game went with Watford. have started the second half, 1-0 down to Brighton and Hove Albion. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. As we're saying, it was an exciting last couple of days to the transfer window. And, well, yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. I got caught up with it. I got very, very excited. However, I had problems and I had to go a little old school. Here's what happened on Thursday. I've got to get in the house. Oh. Hello, everybody. Uh, yes, where's my phone? The Wi-Fi's down. My television. Oh, that's off as well. There's only one thing to do. Uh, darling! Where's the old telephone? Get off! Look, leave it. That's it. I'm going to my special office, the toilet. Right, let's dial the number. Oh, eight, nine, eight, seven. Oh, oh, shh. Two, seven. Oh, 
It's ringing. It's ringing. Just leave me alone. Today, on transfer, deadline day. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. The mighty Hornets of Watford. You're not doing your special alone thing, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. More satisfying than that. After signing defender Craig Dawson. We know this. We all know this. And striker or winger Danny Welbeck. And that was yesterday. The club. Proud. Oh, I've forgotten how much the Hornet hotline went on just to get some more money out of you. To announce... Has he signed? Has he signed? Has he signed? That negotiations... I need to know! I must know! ...have been successful. Yes. And can... Yes. ...announce the signing of... Yes! Ishmila Sa. Yeah! A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is From the Rookery End. It is season 10 of From the Rookery End. It's going to be a great one. Would it have been a great one if one man hadn't returned? Mike's up a bit later on. Don't worry about him. But his son Arlo. Mike's surname is Parkin. He's a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome for the first time in the 2019-20 season to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. You're looking a bit different. You're looking, what's changed about you? I turned eight yesterday. And what was your present from Watford? What was the score against Brighton? What do you think of that? Uh, not very good. It wasn't very good. They lost 3-0, didn't they? Not an ideal birthday for you, Arlo Parkin face. But... They, Watford did deliver earlier on in the summer. They completed a rather decent transfer window. What did you think of the signings that Watford made over the summer? I think that they were good players. I think that it was a good idea to sign Welbeck because he did play for a very good team. Which one was that? Arsenal. Not Man United? No. You don't think they're good anymore? There are Alright, because after their result today, 4-0 against Chelsea, so... So of the three, is it, who is it that you're most excited to see? Dawson, Saar or Welbeck? It has to be Welbeck. Awesome. Arlo, thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Oh, and happy birthday. No, thanks. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Well, there we go, Jason. That is uh, Watford nil, uh, Brighton over Albion three. Uh, two goal, uh, three goals, uh, one before half time on the half hour, pretty much. Uh, two in the second half. Just really bought what? Well, I actually tried to find up uh, for the podcast some synonyms for the word poor. Uh, I think they were imperfect uh, and uh, abject are the ones to sort of really a, a terrible performance from Watford, as if. 
nothing's changed from the end of the season. Yeah, I was like disappointed and flat uh, are the ones I'm using for the way I'm feeling right now. And and it was, wasn't it? it just, we just didn't seem to be at the race. So we, we got, I thought we, we started brightly enough. We seemed to be on top for the first five or ten minutes and then Brighton got themselves back in the game. And it sort of went south from there. And, and well, the, the, the first, we say we got first 15 minutes, and the second half 15 minutes for me just felt like, you know, this is two middle of the Premier League sides doing their thing. Nothing special really going on here. We could get a result. We might end nil-nil. But then it all went downhill. Yeah, with the only guy, and that was just a, a sort of, I think, a series of poor defendings. Like Dawson gave the ball away. Holabas perhaps could have done better with the defensive header. It was almost like, uh, I can't remember who it was who put the, the ball in for that went off to Corey, but they almost anticipated what, what Holabas was going to do. And when perhaps he could have just nodded out for a corner, I don't know. It was just, yeah, just very, very disappointing. And, and then the way we reacted to it, I mean, it, Brighton set up knowing how we were going to play we we played the same way as we did last season we played very narrow um, <laughs> and they say they had three at the back they, I think they're almost playing a 3-4-3 three, because three, every time they got the ball out front it was almost like they had uh, had a man spare a man over because they, they had sort of Murray in the centre man either either side of him and we were hang on a minute what's going on here where, where are our fullbacks our fullbacks are trying to provide the, the, the width but they're not they need to tuck in and there were a number of times where I think before they scored where they almost had so many men over they didn't know what to do with it <laughs> so they rush of blood to the head but they would they would just sort of it looked like a 3-4-3 three, three, playing it tight in the middle when we had the ball and then getting it wide when we didn't just just very very simple yet when we had the ball in attacking positions, we were trying to just thread balls through spaces yeah. that weren't there, and there were just it just seemed to be so many bad decisions from players all over the pitch, playing silly balls when when maybe simpler balls wrong, maybe we need to get it wide. No one seemed to work that out. Well, that's uh, yeah, I think the, the defeat was the, it not as well. It, Three was flattery in some ways. Um, well, I love the two-one, a one-goal somewhere. We did have a few chances, but nothing was particularly clear, was it? We didn't. You know, Andre did have a chance. It felt like he hit it straight at the goalkeeper. But we, I never felt like we were going to score. No, and uh, and the annoying thing as well. So, sort of, okay, we go two-nil down. So I think Boothroyd once said that's the worst score line to have in football being two-nil up because then the other team have got no choice but to go at you and you've got to stand firm. I don't think we really did and we conceded the third but that didn't come from us chasing the game that was a that was them doing what we'd been trying to do all day it's a lovely ball down the middle to Morpe and he yeah rounded Foster and 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 then it went and it was just it just seemed oh so simple when they were playing football when we were doing it we were trying to overcomplicate things as I say trying to find gaps that weren't there little flicks and tricks and it just wasn't working today the you know the chat we had at half time with Colin was uh, exciting about some you know signings and a good window and the positivity going forward and we by half time had a hint at this not going to be a very good game but the most disappointing feeling I have leaving that game is none of those players on that pitch were trying to show off and trying to keep their place knowing that there are people who once fit and you play like that you're out yeah, I think showing off and trying to keep your place are two different things. But I know what you mean. Yeah, try, yeah, sort of putting in the effort and trying to prove themselves that yes, I am good enough despite the result to uh, to keep my place. I think maybe one or two looked good. Decore woke up, I yeah. think second half, 
Um, it, it obviously unfortunate for the own for the own goal that it came off him. Um, but yeah, second half I thought he he put himself about a bit and looked a lot better. Uh, Kiko, Kiko, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Kiko looked good at times, particularly sort of trying to provide some width that we didn't have anywhere else, um, and, and did well yeah, going forwards. Maybe again defensively got caught out of position a couple of times because of that. But I think you were discussing with you, you were sat next to me today, Jason. That's a, a rarity. Um, but you were saying actually that that where we play Kiko isn't the most efficient for him and isn't the most efficient for the team. Yeah, and I think Richard, the other side of you, was sort of saying the same thing where uh, if you think at the moment Hughes perhaps doesn't have any competition in, in, in his spot. It's not it's not Delafeo and Delafeo is not a, a, a the player. We'll get to him in a minute, there. Jason. Is it Firmino? Do you push Firmino up and bring Yamat in on the right hand side? But then what do you do? What's Yamat's competition? Who puts pressure on him? Is it Fulkier? I don't know. But yeah, maybe Firmino with his width, with his pace, he could cause teams some problem. And in fact, our probably our best chance of the the game potentially was that one from the free kick. Well, we sort of switched it inside, ball over the top. One we've used before, and it's Firmino using his pace just to go past the defender to meet that ball and cross it in. And, and that's probably the only time we got actually got behind them today. Yeah. And in fact, the, so the chance, the other chance we said about was Andre Gray, um, the one he hits ready to keep. But that was Kiko's persistence. Yeah. Player trying to see it out. Kiko probably got some quicker than he, he realised. Got the ball off him, and that was a yeah, great, great chance, but we, we didn't make the most of it. Delafay went off at half-time, um, a little bit earlier than maybe I would, have, I would have thought, but not surprising. He was really trying too hard and try, and, and doing those things that Delafay can do which frustrates you, which is, I mean, he scuffed one ball really, really badly, but you know, that's one incident. The, the frustration in, in him just not working hard, just showing off. Yeah, not his, not his position. You could see in the first half. Okay, so yeah, there was one that he scuffed, but he did a, he did well to to chase back and uh, and win the ball back. But there are other times where they were putting the ball out wide. You would expect Delafeo. So they're attacking. Kiko's tucked in. Delafeo should be the man playing where he's playing. Then track, tracking the guy moving forward, the the right midfielder, wing back, wherever he was playing. Number of times they the, the guy had the ball and he was nowhere to be seen. And that. It's not good enough. If you if you are playing in the position he was playing today, you need to work hard. I, I almost predicted it beforehand when we were talking about the lineup. What we saw was Deeney dropping back inside, sort of back, back, yeah, sort of back further, and, and he was in a more withdrawn position than Delafeo was when defending. And that shouldn't be the case. It should have been Delafeo where he was playing. He should have been the one. And it's almost like that was the tactic. Dini was having to drop further back because we're having to accommodate Delafeo playing in that position because we know he's not going to work as hard as perhaps he should do. He just came across as a massive luxury who could be amazing, could do some fantastic things. He is, unless, yeah. but, but actually, he just ain't a team player. And when the chips are down, you need someone who's going to do what's needed to be done, not play for yourself. Yeah, we need, I mean, we need to have a sense of balance, don't we? Because, I mean, he was... Brilliant for us last year. Scored that great goal in the FA Cup semi-final, that one, that one goal of the season. He is a great player. We can't just one bad game go, oh, yeah, he's... he's, he's no, 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 I'm saying that, but it's that, it's that feeling of, actually, where is he going to fit in? Because he feels quite narrow in terms of when you have to play him in a set position to be part of a team. 
when he can have the luxury and freedoms then he's wonderful but we're not there yet as a squad yeah so that's it so he, he you would see him as as one of the front two but as we said in our in our chat about the uh, the new signings there are players there ready to come in and take his place and if he plays like that he will get dropped again he got dropped he got dropped for that FA Cup yeah. semi-final they got dropped for the second half yeah <laughs> and then sort of came on and, and proved wonders so he, he knows he can be dropped he will be dropped if he doesn't put put it in and if there is another player there like Andre was last season ready to step in and take his position so he, yeah he, he can't think to himself that he's a luxury player and he can get away with being a luxury player he needs to put a shift in like everyone else It's Sunday now. I've been joined by Mike. Well, he's not here with me. He's somewhere out and about. We'll catch up with everything else been going on at Watford. I mean, last week, uh, just before the uh, the last pre-season game, the, the club announced a new scheme to keep Vicarage Road full on match days. They want season ticket holders to tell them when they aren't using their seats and they will either resell the seat with profit going to the Community Trust, yeah, that, that will support their work, or they will allocate it to local good causes. Now, Mike, this is a, a new approach. Uh, they're trying it again to try and sort, of, sort this problem out. Uh, is it the right way to do it, do you think? Mike, is it the right way to do it? And why has it been met with, how can I say this, resistance? I'm always wary of using Twitter as a, as a barometer for, for anything, quite frankly. But I have to say, I was quite surprised by the, yeah, I think that's the, the best way of putting it, John, is, is resistance to, to this new scheme that the club have come up with to mitigate against no-shows. We all know it's been a problem. We've, we've, anyone that's been to the Vic over the past couple of years will have seen empty seats are plenty um, and we all know you know us, us uh, presenters have all got uh, we've got kids we've got family stuff gets in the way some people uh, uh, stuff happens and it means you can't get to the game so I get you know I missed the first game I was in France so of course we understand that it's sometimes you can't get to every single game but it's been an issue for us as supporters you know we care about our club we care about how we're perceived and we care about fellow supporters wanting to get to games as well so, yeah, for, for there to be a, a seeming, a seemingly sort of mini backlash against, the, um, against this new idea was, was surprising to me because it's come up at fans' forums, it's been mentioned on social media, um, and when you, you know, when you watch the game, it's a, it's a vaguely sort of vacuous way of looking at it, but when you watch the game on Match of the Day, you don't like seeing empty seats, especially when the, when the sold-out signs are going up. So I think this is a, a sensible way of doing it, it's not as if they're saying right two strikes and you're out and you lose your season ticket I think it would still be a, a it still be a con- conversation but I think they have had to make it s- relatively strict some 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 relatively tough parameters to focus the mind because otherwise people just think well I'm not going it'll be okay it'll be you know they won't I won't make any difference but then of course if 500 people a thousand people have that attitude then you, you you if you always do what you've always done then you'll always get what you've always got um so I think it's I think it's a sensible move. It's it's designed to, to to focus the attention. I think it's very unlikely that the club 
want to take a season ticket off anyone. I think you'd have to be a repeat offender. And I'm disappointed that people can't see that this is the club acting in, in the best interests of everyone. I think, that, as far as I understand it, as long as you let the club know, even if it's two minutes to three, one minute to three even, as long as you do it before kick-off, then that will be noted and, and taken into account. And I, and I really don't think that's, that's too much to ask. If you're in a, a real dire straits, for example, and, and there's, a, there's an emergency of some, or for whatever reason you can't notify the club, and you let them know what happened afterwards. We know how Watford operate. They are sympathetic. They're human beings who care about us as supporters and care about the club. So for me, it's, it's pretty black and white. It's a great idea. We want the Vic to be full. It's better when it's full. It looks better when it's full. The atmosphere is better when it's full. Uh, and the players are going to respond better when it's full. If you can't make it, let the club know um, and let that seat get sold. Pretty simple, really. I'd be happy to hear from people who disagree, but but for me, uh, this is the club trying to do something sensible uh, and doing it in a grown-up way. So, yeah, uh, surprised by the backlash. Uh, I think it'll probably calm down. Uh, a few decent results would help uh, put that to the back of people's minds, wouldn't it? So if you are a season ticket holder at uh, Vicarage Road, then it is dead simple. Watfordfc.com, and you scroll down the bottom, uh, I'm doing that on my phone, uh, and you can just email your details, uh, the game you're missing, and seat number I think that's you know whatever it is that's on, on your card but you just get also just email or email release my seat at whatflipsy.com uh, and hopefully that will start getting rid of that problem and if there are the problems that you sort of see out and about um, with people and, and and the way that the the tickets are being allocated then that be next but I think the club is asking for a bit of help to solve this problem now Mike Zed Cars was back and it won't be long before we, we hear it again when we're off to Goodison Next Saturday. This weekend, of course, is the Zed Cars derby. Um, I'm really glad that Zed Cars is back. I was sorry to see it go. Um, it wasn't the same match day experience f- for me without without Zed Cars. And I think this is a really good example of the club trying something. They gave it a whirl. Um, things were going well at the time that the club changed the walkout music uh, and it was as good a time as any um, to see what happened. I know we're all superstitious characters and we would have said... Um, if it ain't broke, why why try and fix it? And I know there's a lot of hand-wringing, oh, we were doing so well, why would you change anything? I was among them. Um, but with hindsight, looking at, looking at it, if they were talking about or thinking about trying to change the music, the, the stage they did it was as good a time as any. That doesn't mean I was happy with it. I don't think it worked, and I think the club have recognised that. They've reinstated Zed Cars, uh, and it's as you were. I'm really happy it's back. It means my match day experience is... You know, it's going to sound selfish, but how I remember it, how I want it to be, uh, and I'm glad that we've got that, uh, we've got that unmistakable uh, start to our, our Watford match day. Welcome back, Zed Cars. But of course, the other team that walk out to the Zed Cars is Everton, and it's the, probably the one place I wouldn't want wouldn't want to have to go to after a after a three nil home defeat on the opening day of the season to Brighton it does put us under pressure I harp on relentlessly about the importance of a of a good start um, and we haven't got it um, this time we've got a really you know, the polar opposite of a of a good start it was uh, it was a really limp display wasn't it really lacklustre from from minute one uh, and I think we were deservedly deservedly beaten by Brighton who didn't really have to get out of second or third gear they were just well organized and 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 managed to beat us comfortably I think hopefully it will focus the mind. Uh, Watford players won't want to be going to Everton and performing badly. I don't think there's 
Uh, I think there are a large percentage of, of Watford players who remain in the squad who didn't think that highly of Marco Silva. That's that's my take on it. So I think they'll be wanting to go up there and, and perform well. We were unlucky not to come away with all three points uh, last time out. So they're looking to uh, to get a bit of revenge, if you like, for, for conceding that last-minute equaliser. But apart from anything else, after a, a quite a eye-opening um, and eye-catching opening day defeat, I think a lot of people will have sat up and taken notice of, of that result A, largely because Brighton are, are under new manager management and will we'll be, we'll be keen to, to, to give him the new head coach some of the credit but also I think they will have taken people by surprise in terms of Watford getting, getting such a battering on the open day, I don't think many people have seen that coming so there will be a few, a few, a few eyes keenly focused on, on Javi and, and his Watford side and, and to see how they can respond, uh, some quite unnerving stats coming out over the weekend about if you roll up last season's, the end of last season's performance into this one, how long it's been since we've had a clean sheet, for example, uh, far too long. Um, so, yeah, they straight away, because we were worried vaguely about this bit, the hangover, the end, of the, the end of last season rolling over into this one, uh, and a win on Saturday would have blown that away completely. It didn't come to pass, and now all of a sudden it was sort of not wringing our hands it's one game into the season for heaven's sake there's nothing nothing to worry about at this stage but it does just give you that little extra edge especially when there was so much positivity around the place after the the transfer window then on match day itself Zed Carl's coming back everything seemed to be coming up roses uh, apart from the football itself so there's some serious serious work to be done um, and I say every year we need to get to 40 points we need to get there as quickly as possible and the best way to do that is have a really good start we've had a good start in the, in the four seasons since we've been back in the Premier League I don't want to find out what it's like playing catch up quite frankly it's very very difficult if we get sort of three four games down the line without a, without a win it's going to be it's going to be tough for us morale does seep out of this this Watford squad in in the past we've seen it happen in the in the turn of the year uh, as seasons have gone on once things have gone bad it's they haven't really been able to turn it round so if it happens early on in the season then it could be difficult but I'm not going to get too carried away one bad loss I'm going to I'm going to work on the basis that it'll focus the mind Harry won't have enjoyed it at all I'm sure the players won't have enjoyed it uh, they'll be desperate to get one over on um, on Marco Silva Everton didn't have a great performance away at Palace either so they'll be they'll be looking to make a, a statement so already the great thing about it is it's, a, it's an exciting match with, with lots riding on it and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it I've, I fancy us to turn it round uh, I'm, I'm expecting a much much better performance from from Watford I think Javi will have learned uh, a fair bit about his side and how he needs to set them up uh, if we're going to be successful this season so yeah I think we'll be I think we might see a uh, a pleasing result up there against Everton for the Zed Cars derby come on you golden boys Yes, fingers crossed that things go well next week. Thank you very much for listening to the beginning of our 10th season of doing these podcasts uh, and uh, sharing our take on life as a Watford fan. We'll be back again next week, uh, but you can always follow along the fun uh, via social media at Watford Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. But to finish this first podcast, Daniel... Jason's son came to his first competitive game yesterday and when it got a little bit dreary he did lighten the mood around the, the rookery end thank you very much to Daniel we will give him his first and probably not final come on you horns to end this podcast come on you horns